Hello and welcome to the Calmpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Susanna Butcher, the founder of Calmpreneur.com, and I'm looking forward to bringing you a little more calm. I'll be talking to Calmpreneurs who swapped busyness and hustle for contentment and calm, along with bringing you ways to reduce stress and anxiety so that you can live a healthier, happier, and of course, calmer life. If you've been considering hypnotherapy but aren't quite sure what it's all about, then this interview is a must listen. I'm speaking to Tanya Taylor, who is an award-winning hypnotherapist with many years experience. We talk about so much in this interview. We cover the three Ps. We cover anxiety, some of the more common fears and expectations with hypnotherapy, what actually happens in a session and what to look for in a hypnotherapist, and much, much more. I hope that you enjoy it. Hi there, Tanya. So thank you so much for joining me today to talk about all things hypnotherapy. Um, It's a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. And you as well. Uh, So I know a little bit about you and your business, but if you'd just like to give an overview of what you do and how you help people, that would be amazing. Okay. So um, generally there tends to be um, a few common themes with the people that I support. Um, So things like anxiety and related conditions. So you know, irritable bowel syndrome, obsessive compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, and insomnia or difficulty with sleeping. They're kind of the key areas. Might have something very specific that they're coming for help with. And that will, we'll, we'll kind of talk through that if the person wants to talk through that. However, the way I practice and the type of hypnotherapy I use and psychotherapy is called solution-focused. And that solution-focused therapy, it really, really focuses on the future and people's best hopes. So sometimes people come to me and they might never ever give me the full details of what it is that has been happening in their Mm -hmm. life. And that's absolutely okay. Um, it's all about that person, whether they want to relive that experience by talking about it, whether they feel that would be helpful to them or not, or whether actually, whether they would just like to focus on taking small steps forward to, to see what would show them that they're coping so much better with whatever trauma, um, they've experienced and whatever challenges they've experienced because sometimes there's not a specific trauma yeah so I can relate to that for sure I think sometimes you can't there's something not right but you can't kind of put your finger on what it is sometimes with with challenges like that yeah I think with anxiety in particular quite often it kind of creeps up on us doesn't it and we don't really notice until it gets to a point where it's really impacting on our day-to-day ability to function Mm. and that's when we think oh gosh when how long ago did this actually start and what what was it that started it and sometimes we try and find something when actually there isn't a specific cause it's just gradually Mm. kind of started to etch itself into our lives over a long time 
God, I can so relate to that because that's kind of exactly really what happens to me is that I, it's such a slow kind of decline that it's not till I'm, I get really bad that I think, oh God, like my, you know, I'm struggling a little bit here. <laughs> and even sometimes people around me don't notice because they see me like every day. And it's like you say, it's, it can just happen so slowly and just creep up on you. Um, yeah. So I love what you do. How did you first kind of get interested in hypnotherapy in particular? It's quite a specific kind of field to be in. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because I kind of always had the opinion that hypnotherapy was a bit woo-woo. And <laughs> very much, yeah, kind of like stage hypnotists, you know, um, Paul McKenna. I remember growing up watching him on television. Um, and then what happened was I was in a job role I've been in for a very long time and over the course of 10 years I'd had to do public speaking and like you my public speaking instead of all these people telling me oh just keep doing it the more you do it the easier it will get mm. what I was actually finding is I did keep doing it um, and afterwards I always felt great and relieved However, the build-up beforehand was getting significantly worse and I was becoming more and more anxious um, to the point of, kind of I, I used to deliver huge talks around dementia to general practitioners, GPs um, and consultants um, in psychology and psychiatry. So what started to happen was I get to the point of um, feeling like I was going to start crying oh, no. right before it happened. And I would have worked myself up way, way, way in advance. And so I decided, um, whilst having a lovely reflexology treatment at a low Okay. So I asked about the hypnotherapy and was asking about public speaking. And when I went into that first session, she asked me all of the things I asked my clients. Um, and two of those other things were, um, did I have irritable bowel syndrome, which I had been diagnosed with, and did I have obsessive compulsive disorder, which is something else I was living with alongside my anxiety around public speaking. And they were, I think the three combined were really, really impacting on my life so much so that I couldn't function normally anymore. Um, it was impacting on my family life. It was impacting on my work life. Um, just all different parts of my life. It was, yeah. Um, so I had sessions with this lady and we worked through the things that I kind of spoke to her about and the things that I was willing to share with her and after just a few weeks, I mean, after three sessions, I didn't have irritable bowel syndrome anymore, which is, it, it, to me, felt just absolutely unbelievable. That's it was a amazing. huge life changer. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, because I've, I've been learning so much about the gut being our second brain and the impact. And I know that when I'm stressed and anxious, it goes straight to my tummy and I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I have IBS as well. It sort of flares up now and again. And, and that's because what's happening is your fight flight system. I might be um, telling you, you might know this already, um, but the fight flight system wants to focus all of its energy on getting you 
out of whatever stressful situation you're in. So it thinks that it needs to empty your digestive system, get rid of everything in there. So you start to feel a bit sicky. You start to get that those butterflies in your tummy. Maybe you need to run to the loo. And that's so that it can focus all its energy on the other parts of your body to help you to fight whatever mm-hmm. dangers there or to help you to run away fast. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, I had really, really successful um, sessions with my hypnotherapist and that really is ultimately what then led me to think, do you know what? I would love to do this myself. I was in a job where I wasn't helping people on a one-to-one basis anymore. I'd worked my way up in the company and I really missed helping people one-to-one. And this was a way that I could help people one-to-one again. Brilliant. And so how did that kind of transpire into becoming a business? Because there's like having an interest in it and enjoying it, but then there's actually kind of taking money for your service, which is a bit, can be a bit like, oh, <laughs> when yeah. you first get started. So what, ha- what happened with that process? So um, initially, I kind of, I, it was a full year's diploma, well, two different diplomas um, throughout a 12 month period. And every weekend, um, every weekend, every month, we would spend a whole weekend once a month um, in the classroom learning. Um, and then between sessions, we had lots of coursework, we had to see friends and family first of all to kind of practice on them and then as we progressed over the month we started to see friends of friends and family Um, and by the time I qualified I already had a waiting list Um, it was going really really well I was thoroughly enjoying it and I just took the plunge and said it (laughs) yeah it was never going to be a full-time business um but after discussions with my other half we kind of spoke about it and we said you know if I enjoy it so much if it's making me so happy um because I'm helping people making them happy Mm -hmm. um let's go for it um so I handed my notice in right before I qualified um I was in a position that I needed to give a few months notice anyway Mm. and then set up shop uh, which was very very scary oh yeah definitely (laughs) but also completely liberating um and I've got two children so it meant no more long commutes added on to my working day I was here in the morning when they were going to school here when they got back from school um and it's just really kind of it's changed my whole way of life oh, so yes all those years ago it's it's completely changed my entire life yeah it's, it just sounds so lovely it's, it's just the kind of ethos that I love just doing something that's so calming and that enables you to have that flexibility because like you say commuting getting to work missing stuff at schools it's just so stressful you know, yeah. and it's, it just has such a massive impact on your like mental health and well-being. Um, so that flexibility is so important. Um, so I'd love to know, as somebody who hasn't actually seen a hypnotherapist before, <laughs> um, I have done some online kind of le- um, led self-hypnotherapy, but I'd love to know when someone kind of phones you up and says, I'd love to book in, you know, what's the, what's the kind of process? What happens next? 
Okay, so first of all, I have maybe a 20 to 30 minute kind of free initial telephone consultation over the phone with them, Mm -hmm. just to find out a little bit about um, how they'd like me to help them. And then I explain what I'm about to explain now. So Mm -hmm. I kind of taught them about the very first session, we don't do any hypnosis in that session. I kind of get a bit more background information, information about sleeping patterns, information about people who are important in your life. But I always say to people, you know, the only reason I'm asking for names of kind of important family members, for example, is because I have a terrible memory. So <laughs> at, the, um, at every session I have, I have their VIPs written down in front of me. So I'm not constantly sorry who is it you're talking about again um so i i'd kind of gathered that information and then i'll spend a good kind of half an hour or so talking about the brain and the way it works and why we end up in these unhelpful cycles that a kind of habitual behavior that we don't want but we keep doing it anyway Mm. um even though we know it is unhelpful to us. We don't want to do it. And yet we wake up the next day and we do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about different things that we can do to change that. So one of the things I'll tell you all today that I will always speak to all of my clients about is the three P's, positive thoughts, positive activity, and positive interaction. Mm-hmm. Now, the three P's are absolutely essential in building and strengthening a part of our brain called our left prefrontal cortex which Mm -hmm. is about here Um, when we engage that part of our brain it means that we can kind of come up with solutions to a problem based on a proper assessment of a situation we can get things right in life that bit easier instead of making kind of snap judgments from that fight or flight part of our brain we, we come up with things that are going to be really helpful to us. The three P's really, really help to exercise that part of the brain. So we'll go into lots of detail about how we can use them and what is happening when we're not using them, what's happening when that limbic system is in control and we're more in chimp mode um, and kind of what we can do. We'll look at the research and what research shows what happens under MRI scanners when we look at different sleep cycles and also when we look at hypnotherapy and being in hypnosis and trance under MRI scanners as well. Um, And that session really, really helps people to understand that there isn't anything wrong. You know, this is the way our brain's been built to ensure the human race's survival Mm. but we don't have to stay living like this and there are things we can do to help us it's just sometimes we need that extra little guidance i also remind people that hypnotherapy isn't magic it's not (laughs) a magic wand um it is scientifically based it's research based um and it is hard work you know Mm. It's not about coming see me for an hour a week or an hour a fortnight and then 
going off and, and not doing the things that you've told me you would like to do this session. Yeah. I don't advice. You know, I speak to people about helping them to come up with things that are going to work for them, things that are going to show them that they're being successful in their week. So I'm just trying to think of, of something quite generic. Subsequent sessions, you see, what we do is we talk about what's been good to engage that left brain. Uh, right, yeah. yes, yeah. That's yeah. A really good, I think, because I, you know, we have that negativity bias, don't we? It's kind of not our fault. Like you said, it's the way that we've been programmed. Um, and it's, it, it does take, it takes a bit of training. And, you know, I can imagine that some people might have this idea that, that you come to be fixed, <laughs> but it, that's not what it's about. It's about people fixing themselves, but it's that process and you, I guess, just guiding them through that. Yeah. yeah. Unraveling everything. Um, so it, when they come for normal treatment sessions, we will kind of engage that left prefrontal cortex, that rational intellectual side of ourselves right before kind of having a bit more brain revision because, I don't expect everybody to remember what I've told them in the first session. It's <laughs> 12 months to learn it all. Um, and then we'll look at kind of maybe scaling where that person feels that week. So if 10 out of 10 is where they want to be at the end of our sessions and zero is the opposite, we'll look at where they are this week. And at the beginning, that might be quite low on that scale, but then we'll start to look at, okay, so if we moved up on that scale this week, maybe you were a two last week. What if, or maybe you're a two today, what if we move to a three over the following week? And we'll have a look at what would be different if you were a three and what would you notice was different? And slowly we will come up through conversation with something very specific. And for some people that might be something that's got nothing to do with anything that they've come to me for it might be something as simple as well do you know what I think if I was a three my living room would be tidy and I would have spent some time tidying that living room and giving it a good clear out or I've even had before that toy box would be tidy you know <laughs> I'd, I'd go through it and I'd get rid of stuff and then sometimes it's much more complex than that. You know, sometimes it's things that are very, very personable to that person. Mm -hmm. um, but each time it's not me telling my clients what they're going to go away and do. It's mm -hmm. me helping them to come up with what they feel they need to do that will help them move up on that scale. Mm -hmm. So it's very much client led and what we see over it, it can it can change dramatically from one client to the next but what we see over the sessions is that people get to that point of their best hopes of their preferred future being their now real-time life um, one of the things I do do with clients as well is I will see them for so many sessions and as they feel better and better and better in themselves then we'll start to put bigger and bigger gaps between our sessions so if I were to see a client for 10 sessions that wouldn't be over 10 weeks that would potentially be over about four to five months 
so that by the time they have their final session, they've had some big six week gaps where they are absolutely certain that this is a road they can take without me being there Aww. looking after them, you know, so that they're completely in control of them and their lives. Yeah, I guess that's something that is a bit of a fear for people. I was going to ask you about that actually, because people think, oh God, I'm being hypnotized. And like you, you know, you kind of alluded to earlier about the kind of stage hypnotist, which I guess is, can be quite frustrating in a way that people are going to do things that they don't really want to do or say things that they yeah. don't want to say. <laughs> is, do you find that quite a common theme with people, you know, their sort of fears and concerns about hypnotherapy? Absolutely. So um, once we've come up with whatever solution they've decided is right for them that week, I'll then get them on the bed um, or get them um, on the chair with a footstool. Or sometimes I see people over Zoom like this, in which case they can get wherever they want to, mm -hmm. to get comfortable. Um, and I will always tell my clients, you know, unlike stage hypnotists, the difference between stage hypnotism and hypnotherapy is very much that a stage hypnotist will start with hundreds of people um, in their audience and they will slowly do things to kind of separate people who don't want to get up on stage from people who do want to get up on stage. Um, and it's not to say that the people on stage are not hypnotized. They are in a state of kind of higher suggestibility. But the reason for that is the hypnotist is constantly kind of telling them um, that they're not in control, that um, their inhibitions are lowered because the hypnotist has control over them now. And because there's a lack of knowledge out there, people believe that. And so what you find is maybe a little bit similar to if you've had an alcoholic drink and your inhibitions are lowered, mm. then your inhibitions are lowered because you think, oh, well, it's, it's just him. He's just telling me what to do. So I'll just do it. However, if you've ever been to um, a stage hypnotist and, and seen it happen, what you'll find is they'll, they'll eventually get to a small number of people being on stage and they'll get sillier and sillier in the tasks that they ask people and one by one people will just wake up and they will just be like not really sure what to do now <laughs> on the stage um, and the reason they've woken up is because that hypnotist has said something to them that they're not comfortable doing on stage mm. because when we listen to hypnotherapy hypnosis from any any kind of any person whether it's staged or not we are conscious of what's being said subconsciously or consciously we're aware of it and if that person says something that you don't agree with you will just come out of it just like that mm -hmm. um so i always tell my clients there'll be no funky chicken dancing <laughs> i'm not gonna get you doing that um, you will always have an awareness of what I am saying and the hypnotherapy I do with people. I'll have kind of generic scripts that I use or language patterns as we call them. Um, 
but as I'm going through them, I will insert things based on our discussion that day. Um, we tend to use something called indirect language in our trance. So we don't speak about the problem because if we speak about the problem, then our mind goes to the problem. Mm. Uh, so instead, we speak about things that might be related to the problem. So we use metaphors quite a lot and storytelling where your subconscious mind is more likely to stay nice and relaxed and calm but then start to kind of figure out parallels from that story to your life and then think of solutions based on a proper assessment of that situation mm. so that you can come out feeling the best that you oh. feel that's really good that must be really reassuring for people as well to know that they have that element of control at all times um yeah. and nice for you as well because obviously you wouldn't want people to think that about you do you know what i mean or any hypnotist would want you know want people to think that way and um, so i've i've kind of quite honest about my own struggles with my mental health and well-being and i've struggled with anxiety in the past and depression um and ocd as well so I know that you do work quite a lot with people with, that have anxiety in particular. So I'd love to know, like, how, how does hypnotherapy, hypnotherapy help somebody that might be feeling depressed or anxious? Well, I think, again, it's so because what I do is so individual to each person. Um, what the way it helps can be very, very different and take different lengths of time as well. Um, just depending on that individual so I'm trying to think of maybe I know you can't give um obviously yeah. you've got to be careful of confidentiality haven't you <laughs> yeah um so basically if somebody came to me and they were if they came to me kind of let's say six weeks ago they were really anxious and this was affecting their sleep. Um, they were, I tell you who I will talk about. I'll talk about a um, client who left a review yesterday and it was a very open, honest and quite a long review as well. And in that review, what it details is um, how that anxiety was impacting on their relationship, on their um parenting style they felt they were shouting at the children um and how even going to the supermarket was absolutely such a trauma for them so they talked about that but then they also talked about how the sessions as we progressed have absolutely changed their life into she's she's not shouting at her children anymore she is loving her husband again even though she knew she loved him she'd kind of got to this point of questioning their relationship um and she can go to the supermarket now she can be in a group of people now and what's happened is over our sessions every time we've got to that bit of okay well this week what would show you that you were moving up that scale each week she's gone away and done that each week she's focused on those three p's um the positive thoughts positive activity and positive interaction she's listened to the hypnotherapy each night as she's been going to sleep and she has been 
putting everything in to getting herself where she is today. Um, and she says on that review, she's not finished yet. She's still um, receiving treatment. Mm. But she is now in a position that she never thought she she never imagined she could be in. So that was not, I don't when I when I read that review I was in tears it was oh. it, I think um, there's no better testimonial than that work though that you're doing where it's that just that very it's it's a gradual improvement but it's a, an improvement that people can see and that and that they're making that change themselves um it's just so empowering and you said that she listened every night so do you provide a recording then for people to I do well. I do um I have a YouTube channel so I'll direct people to my YouTube channel where I've got a few recordings on there and I just say choose one that feels right for you mm -hmm. and then listen to the same one every night and that repetition is really really important because if you're listening to something different every time then that limbic system is constantly on on alert just just making sure that that hypnotherapist isn't going to start making you dance like a funky chicken <laughs> so you choose one listen to it and that way you kind of build up this ability to relax and for your whole body to have a physical response um i don't know if your listeners um, will know much about Pavlov's dogs, or if you do, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the listeners probably won't know. Yeah, do share. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pavlov was a psychologist from the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he wanted to see if he could condition his dogs to salivate um, like they did when they were given food at a different time by by doing something else um so what he decided to do was every time he fed them he rang a bell and after a short while of doing this over and over again he decided to ring the bell without feeding them and he got them to salivate um which showed that actually people can be conditioned mm. into a physical response well, it showed that dogs could, which then led to him saying, oh, we could do this. <laughs> could do this on humans. Uh, yeah. So listening to the hypnotherapy at night, it's not going to make you salivate. Um, <laughs> but what we do want is for your body to start recognizing as soon as you hear that music, as soon as you hear my voice or whichever hypnotherapist you've chosen to listen to, then your body is beginning to get into a habit of, having that physical response of oh it's relaxed time now and mm. so straight away all of your muscles relax your whole body relaxes and if your body physically relaxes it helps your mind to physically relax mm. and so just by doing something as simple as that yeah. you're improving your sleep so much yeah, and I think that we you know we've lost that kind of mind body connection how important that is to how our brain affects our body and vice versa and it's actually reconnecting with yourself really in all your senses and having that awareness which can really help with recovery and so I know we're talking now over zoom and you, you mentioned earlier that you do do stuff over zoom so it's so that's okay like how does that work you kind of just do it literally like this and your client will be chilled out yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um the the client that left the review um they're a zoom client um and 
basically the feedback I've had from my Zoom clients where I see Zoom clients from all over the world. Um, but one of the things they will say is it feels so nice to do it in the comfort of your own home. And it, at first they wondered what it, how it would be. And, you know, they, they maybe felt a little bit awkward, you know, they were coming to me because they're already experiencing problems. Mm -hmm. Um, but the anxiety they had is no different to the anxiety people have when they walk in this room for the first time. And it's kind of that, oh, what to expect? Yeah. What's it going to be like? Um, but one of the things I feel is really, really important is when I first start talking to a client, I'll always do my best to help relax them right away. You know, my clients being comfortable and relaxed is really, really important to them getting the very best out of their session. So occasionally I'll have people who are suffering extreme levels of anxiety and panic attacks are something that they're having several times a day frequently and they might be in a state of panic when they enter the room and we will just very quickly do a relaxation just straight away mm. just to get them back in control get them nice and relaxed I will regularly talk about me and my family about things that make people feel comfortable but help people to relate as well which can be seen as slightly different to your typical psychologist counselor in the past we were always taught kind of no no you you mm -hmm. put up those professional boundaries but actually what research has shown is that if your clients are able to connect with you to to know that you're human too um that can put them at ease so much more and really aid their ability to get to where they want to get to yeah oh I'm so glad that you said that because that's something that's I've, I've always struggled with I think oh you know should I share something with somebody not in great detail but like you say it's just having that rapport and that relationship building yeah. um, and I know that when I've had counselling in the past I found it quite difficult when I haven't got anything back and I, I think oh you know it's, it's quite hard to kind of know I think it's just reassuring, I guess, to know that, that the person you're speaking with is a human being as well. And they have had struggles and they've got life where they're busy with their kids and <laughs> normal stresses and stuff. Um, so that's really nice that you do that. I'm really sort of glad to hear that. It's lovely. I think more people should do that, actually. <laughs> um, so yeah. with, with regards to your sessions, then, what do you find... Um, like how long do, do people normally book in blocks of sessions? Because I would assume in most cases that one-offs aren't ideal or you kind of would want to work for someone for a period of time. Yeah. How, how long is that period of time, generally speaking? Um, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, and it makes it, it, smoking sessions, quite often we're told if somebody wants to quit smoking, um, you know, do it in one session. But I actually split mine in two anyway, because I think it's so important to get to know your clients um, and to help them build up that rapport with you um remind me of the question i've already oh, sorry so just how many sessions so we're just talking about sort of smoking because i was saying like sometimes i wonder if people think oh they'll just go go once and that's it kind of thing <laughs> so how long do you yeah. typically work with somebody ah so it again that can really really differ from one client to the next um the fewest sessions 
I have had with somebody where they've reached their goals has been, I would say four, I was going to say three, and then I thought, no, probably including the initial consultation without hypnotherapy, um, that would be four sessions. Um, and the longest I've seen somebody for has been 22 sessions. Mm. Um, and again, it's all dependent on where they are. And also, there's quite a big dependence, um, at significance on what they do between sessions, you know. And, and some, for some people, they're not in a position where kind of thinking about the three P's, for example, is something they can do right away. It's something that's going to take time as they build up their resilience, build up their confidence and self-worth and self-value. Even listening to the CD, sometimes I get clients who don't listen um, and they are clients that will take longer. But I do tell them, you know, if you can listen to it, these sessions are going to end sooner than if you don't do. Mm. Um, but I also have for those clients that say, oh, well, nighttime isn't the right time for me and an hour listening to hypnotherapy, I just can't fit it in. I've even popped um, some 10 minute hypnotherapy sessions on my YouTube for those people so that they can still squeeze mm. it into their day if possible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is... I cannot give an exact figure just because we're human and we have so many variables, don't we? Yeah, of course. And I guess there, in some cases there's resistance to change as well. Um, and like you say, you know, the whole I don't have time mindset um, must be quite frustrating because it's, you know, I, I, I must admit I've said that before in the past. But I think when you, when you want something enough or when you want change enough, then you, you find the time that you need to dedicate to that practice as well. Um, so I'm sure that lots of people have kind of had their interest sparked by hypnotherapy by our chat today. So thank you so much. Um, what, do you, what would you say if somebody wanted to um, work with you or in general, just finding a hypnotherapist, what's, what's the best way of kind of taking those first steps? Um, so have a look at the person's website. You're welcome to take a look at my website. Um, but have a look at their website, see what's on there, see if they have anything that helps you to connect a little bit more with them, like a Facebook page or group. Um, and then also have a look at their insurance, make sure that their insurance is up to date, make sure that they have been, um, that they're registered with registry bodies that are going to keep a check on and monitor kind of how they practice hypnotherapy like many complementary therapies um, isn't regulated um, and so basically some people can do a, a one weekend course or even a day's course and then call themselves a hypnotherapist and start practicing just like that mm. and they're not doing anything that's against the law so really really valuable to have a look at who their registered bodies are and what those registered bodies require of them so mm -hmm. um, I'm registered with the Association for Solution Focused Hypnotherapists I'm registered with the National Council of Hypnotherapy and I'm also registered with the Complementary and Natural Healthcare Council the CNEH 
the CNHC. And the CNHC are a really good one to look out for because if you go to the NHS website and look up a complementary therapy like hypnotherapy, for example, if your client is um, registered with the CNHC, the NHS website will take you to CNHC because they're seen oh, as right. kind of the gold standard in that complementary, especially around hypnotherapies. Mm. Um, so it's just making sure um, also DBS checks, disclosure and barring service, um, which used to be the CRB for those. Um, yes, I remember when it was that, yeah. 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 Um, make sure that they've got an up-to-date DBS check, especially if you're looking to work um, for them to work with children. Um, and don't be afraid to ask any questions you have. You know, you can even if you don't want to ask questions initially over the phone, um, you don't feel comfortable doing that because you feel a bit too anxious. Then type them all out and email them to the therapist and mm. ask those questions you know their role is to make you feel as comfortable as possible so if they're not willing to answer those questions then go to somebody that is yeah, yeah definitely and it's having that reassurance and I know that um you, what you do in your group is amazing because you bring hypnotherapy to so many people because you is it every Sunday night that you do your hypnotherapy sessions yeah so do you want to just tell people about that okay so um I actually what happened was I went I volunteered or I applied to volunteer at my local hospices um because they'd supported me through the death of somebody very close to me and I wanted to give something back unfortunately they came back and said um, we can only have com complementary therapists volunteering when we have somebody who already does that position in paid employment here so mm. that they can oversee what you're doing. Um, so after many a knockback, I thought, right, I really want to help people and I want to volunteer some of my time to help people. Um, so I set up this Facebook group where every Sunday evening I go live for half an hour and do a nice relaxation. Um, it's hypnotherapy for you to listen to at home. You can jump on live. Um, I do it half past eight so that parents can listen once children are in bed. <laughs> um, I don't do it any later than that so that I can relax on my Sunday evening afterwards. Um, but I leave that recording in the group so that people can listen whenever they feel is right for them and there is kind of a six month program up there um, so that you can kind of look at what sessions are coming up what might resonate with you i have some people that listen every week without fail um, generally i'll get around 10 people on a live but by the end of that night over 100 people will have already watched that video um, I'm kind of my videos are getting around 300 oh, watches now. Wow, yeah. that's so good. And yeah. what's, your, what's the name of your group for those that haven't come across it before, Tanya? Um, it's called Calm Your Mind. So if you just search Calm Your Mind um, and click to to join, you don't even need to let me know that you're watching. Um, some people say hi. Some people pop hashtag replay to let me know that they are and many people don't so 
other than you being in the group, your activity in the group is quite anonymous unless you want to be. Oh, that's so nice because I know that I, I'm, um, I'm better now, but I kind of lurk in a lot of groups and I quite often you miss posts as well, don't you? So I think sometimes yeah. people don't see stuff anyway, but that's nice reassurance for those that might be feeling a bit anxious or don't want to be visible <laughs> that they yeah. can just maybe watch at another time when they're on their own if they don't want to be watching with everyone else. But that's so generous of you, Tanya, and I'm sure that that's really helping a lot of people as well. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today it's been an absolute pleasure to learn more about the work that you do with people and all the things that you give for free and your time um, supporting people with all kinds of problems um, it's a very valued thing that you do so thank you so much thank you so much for having me oh you're welcome take care bye Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview. It was certainly an eye-opener for me and I learned so much more about hypnotherapy with the lovely Tanya. Now, as always, you can catch the full show notes at calmpreneur.com forward slash podcast. And I would appreciate it so much if you would subscribe, leave us a little review if you can, or just share with your community so that we can reach as many people as possible to help them with their mental well-being. Thanks for listening.